How are y'all doing? I'm Michael, joined by Alex as always. How's it going? And this is Fall Through Plot Holes, a podcast about video game plot lines and how they have a tendency to go off the rails. And this is part four, our final part on Saints Row, the crime simulator open world game from Volition and published by THQ, later Deep Silver, and then later Embracer, which should go to tell you how cursed this series got very, very quickly. (laughs) Uh, today, we're going to be finishing up with the main story, then getting into the reboot, and then getting into another reboot before everything just kind of unceremoniously ends because Volition closes down and they will never make another Saints Row game. Most likely. Most likely. Alex, how are you feeling today? I'm good. I'm doing okay. I've been spending too much time on RPGs, as usual. Mm-hmm. Uh, both tabletop and video game RPGs? or Primarily tabletop at this point, although I've been getting back into Fall Fantasy fourteen. so mm. God help me on that front. Yeah, yeah, I will, I'll pray for you, man. Thank I'll you. I'll pray for you. Yeah, I've been deep in the video game RPG part with Super mm. Mario RPG Remake, mm-hmm. which for the first time ever, I got 100 uh, super jumps. Wow. I got the, the secret armor that you get that basically makes the game broken. <laughs> uh, I got it the second I could get it, which was a little over two thirds of the way through the game, and it made an easy game very easy. Which uh, honestly feels great. I love feeling yeah. overpowered. Yeah, it, it is a staple of classic Square RPGs of just like, oh, here you did that great thing. Here's the thing that just validates the rest of the game. Yeah, congratulations, you found out how to break the game. Have a fun, and it's like I will. Thanks, mm-hmm. Final Fantasy Eight. <laughs> But of course, we're not talking about that today, Alex. We're going to be talking about Saints Row. Uh, Specifically, when we last left off, we finished up with Saints Row 4, the one where you become the president and the world blows up, and then you have to stop an alien named Zinyak. A name that sounds lazy, which, admittedly, it's from a DLC that got expanded into a full game, but still ended up being a kind of a good way to wrap things up. Uh, You ended up getting good resolution with all the characters as far as uh, kind of like what their deal was, like Shandi, how her entire personality changed due to the events of Saints Row the Third, uh, how Julius kind of thought about the main character, the boss. Honestly, the boss's whole arc in of itself, like kind of coming to learn to value his friends. Mm-hmm. And it ends with the Saints just kind of traveling through history, basically being like, yo, we're in ancient Greece teaching Plato about gang culture. Which, honestly, seems like a good way to end it. It does. Unfortunately, Alex, that is, uh... Video game publishers don't feel the same way most of the time. No. No, they don't. They don't. And when you're deep... Sorry, I have spent way too much time this weekend listening to and thinking about Hasbro as a game publisher. And now I'm going to hear about more game publishers of that caliber. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep, because we're going to be talking a little bit about Deep Silver. Oh, God. 
And by a little, I mean very, very briefly, which is just to say that they acquired the, you know, the Saints Row IP and Volition, and they went, well, we're not going to just let you end this. Nope. So you need to put out another piece of DLC. <laughs> and this is the one piece of DLC we did not go over last episode, because it was substantial enough that I felt like it needed to be siloed off. And that is Saints Row 4, Get Out of Hell. Mm. Alex, do you have any thoughts about Get Out of Hell? None whatsoever. I never play. I, I have not played any of Saints Row 4, and I have not seen any of Gat Out of Hell. My assumption is this was the DLC where Gat came back to life, but okay, I guess that already happened, so... <laughs> no, it's even stupider, as it okay. turns out. Because it's, it's this really weird thing where you had a coda, like an ending to Saints mm-hmm. Row, like that storyline that they had, and then they went, okay, well, what about we actually have an ending to it? And then everyone went, but wait, what? Mm. And they said, well, we have to reuse Steelport again, so we're also sending you to hell. A hell oh, version God. of Steelport. Uh-huh. And it's like, I, oh, cool. Sure. Also, you're going to play as your favorite characters of Saints Row. Johnny Gat and Kenzie. Which is like, <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to say no, but sure. <laughs> so, Gat of the Hell, I actually wanted to silo it off to here because I figured I was going to have actually a lot to say about it. Mm-hmm. Considering it's a standalone DLC, a.k.a. Right. you don't actually have to have Saints Row 4 to play it. Mm-hmm. Most people call those just video games, but mm. gaming industry has its own term for it. It's really sure dumb. Does. It turns out, Alex, I have scant little to say about this. All right. We, we actually could have had this last episode. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're gonna actually going to have like clips for the other two games that we're going to be talking about. Mm-hmm. Not for Gat Out of Hell. Because we're literally going to get this over with in, say, two paragraphs. So, okay. Get Out of Hell starts shortly after Saints Row 4, uh, after Jane Austen gets uh, defrosted and joins the Saints. Okay. Hell of a sentence. And it starts with Kinsey having her first birthday party ever. Now, yeah, it's nice. During that, they use a Ouija board to talk to the dead, which accidentally opens up a portal to hell, where Satan comes out and kidnaps the boss. So it turns out when Zinyak blew up Earth... It basically said all the souls to heaven and God and the angels could not handle it. Mm-hmm. And Satan was like, I got to wait to invade heaven now. But the problem is, is I am going to need a capable general. And the only one I can think of is the boss. Also, mm-hmm. I have a rebellious daughter named Jezebel and the boss should marry her, I guess. So that's all going to happen. Okay. Yeah, sure. he has to do that first. So... That happens, and so Gat and Kinsey are like, well, we have this portal to hell. I guess we're going to go in and rescue the boss. And it turns out hell, where Satan resides, is uh, just steel port, except with a red filter mm-hmm. and uh, fire everywhere. They, right. I, I get mm-hmm. it. Standalone DLC, you're not going to build an entirely new map for it, but uh, this now makes the third time you're going back to Steelport, a city <laughs> that was boring the first time. You, you could make, like, a small map. They could have. They could have done a lot of things with this, actually. Yeah. Uh, they chose um, recycle superpowers as demon powers and recycle steelport. Okay. So, long story short, if Johnny Gat immediately finds out that Dane Vogel is in hell, the mm-hmm. chairman of Ultor back in Saints Row 2. Mm-hmm. And it turns out he actually helped Ultor expand into hell, which is admittedly kind of funny. Yeah. And so, Johnny goes and meets with him, and he decides to help. Uh, Johnny and Kinsey get into the wedding that the boss is going to have. Because it turns out the wedding invitations are tied to you, your soul. 
And so basically, Johnny and Kinsey had to go and kill all of uh, Satan's generals and use that as a way to gain entry to the wedding. So uh, you end up recruiting the uh, dead twins of Viola and Kiki, uh, the uh, twins of the, that helped out mm -hmm. the Morning Star, Viola eventually joining the Saints in that game in Saints Row the Third. And he used them to help fight Shakespeare, Dracula, and Blackbeard. Okay. Which, upon doing so and beating them, you're able to get into the wedding. And in the wedding, the, the boss is, Je is rescued. Jezebel is brought with her, with him back to reality, because it turns out Jezebel just hates her dad. Uh, but unfortunately, Johnny gets left behind after he kills Satan, because it turns out God has kept him behind, because God needs a favor from him. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, literally God just like has him at the, at the gates of heaven and is like, hey, Johnny, boy, things got real messed up. Zinyak blew up the world. He hastened the apocalypse. That's kind of bad. We cannot process these amount of souls. And I figure I'm just going to kind of grant you a wish. I don't know. Some of oh. these seem like they'll help me out. The others okay. really don't. So God wants Johnny Gath to decide what the future of humanity essentially is going to be, if not reality entirely. So, there are five different endings. Wow. <laughs> so, go ahead. Wow, they're, they're just, like, I don't know. I don't know. This looks like someone just looked at the state of video games and decided to make a video game. Mm-hmm. They absolutely did. This is, like, the most video gamey sort of way. They're fighting game endings, honestly, with, like, the uh, brevity these endings have, uh -huh. too. Like, Great. I think the longest one is maybe a minute. Oh, wow. Incredible. <laughs> one of them is literally five seconds. <laughs> I feel like you could have just made two and put effort into them, but I guess five is fine, too. Five is fine, too, according to the developers of Saints Row. Yes. So the, so the five choices Johnny is given is that he can enter heaven and be with Aisha. He can be okay. crowned the king of hell. He can okay. help the saints find a new home world to repopulate humanity. He can recreate Earth, but that in turn recon all of Saints Row, or Redcon, I should say. Or God can give him the answers to the universe. So, the endings in order. One, if Johnny goes to heaven, he sees Saints Row 1, Aisha, and they kiss. Also, Johnny goes like, this is the only time I'm ever going to get into heaven, which is true. Yeah. Two, if Johnny takes over hell, he just kind of hangs out with Dane Vogel, waiting for his friends to show up eventually. Like, Dane's like, mm -hmm. don't you miss your friends? And Johnny's like, no, nah, they're going to be here soon. <laughs> Third, if he helps the Saints find a new planet, they find an Earth-like planet occupied with a race that is just down with war even more than humanity, much to Johnny's delight. This also means that it is now canon that Johnny is a colonizer. Mm. Which that's, I always knew. Yeah. Four, if Johnny recreates the Earth, there, he has no memories of his past life, but he and Kinsey, and I think Matt Miller, are now cops, which is a nice, funny irony, mm -hmm. and they're about to interrogate somebody named Brimstone. Remember that name. Mm -hmm. And five, and the shortest ending, if he asks for the secrets of the universe, Johnny just goes, oh, and then you get the end. <laughs> okay. So, okay. yeah. That is Guy of the Hell. Uh, it is easily the worst reviewed Saints Row thing out there. I think it has like a Metacritic of somewhere around 55 to 60. Mm -hmm. It is entirely disposable. Uh, this, is, this is auspicious. This is, you know, we had 
Saints Row the Third, just incredibly well received, and then four with people going, ah, I don't know about this, and then mm-hmm. and then it, this happened, and people didn't seem to be on board with it. Yeah, it's almost like they saw what they did with Saints Row the Third, and then just kind of reused that game wholesale for four, and then reused uh-huh. that wholesale for Get Out of Hell, including yeah. humor. Yeah, and yeah, diminishing returns uh, sharply, as it turns mm-hmm. out. Yeah, turns out. Hmm. Now, I said this was disposable, but it technically isn't, because one of these endings is canon. <sighs> of course. And the ending is the, the retcon one. The retcon yes. one's the... Of course right. it is. Okay, so we've now erased the entire franchise that people like. Yeah, pretty much. Cool. Yeah, great. so, uh, great. But regardless, Saints Row is now done anyways, Alex, because Volition is going to move on to a new IP. Mm-hmm. And that new IP... Released in, tw- tw- uh, released in 2017, is Agents of Mayhem. Now, as mentioned in the first episode, this is not a Saints Row game. Mm-hmm. It just features much of the same humor, the purple stylings, including the fleur de lis, uh, essentially continues off one of the endings, uh, features four characters from Saints Row's playable characters, albeit with two of them being DLC, mm-hmm. but it is not a Saints Row game. Mm-hmm. Now, I won't lie, this is just me being salty that both the Saints Row Wiki and even Wikipedia itself claims <laughs> there's its own separate series. <laughs> At a point that uh-huh. the Saints Row Wiki has basically zero information about it. <laughs> it's like saying Knuckles Chaotix isn't a Sonic game. Fuck you, yes it is. <laughs> <laughs> Don't lie to me. <laughs> so, ignoring all that, Angels of Mayhem, which I imagine you have not played this game. I have not played it, no. Me I don't neither. even entirely know what it plays like. Oh, don't worry, Alex. I am going to explain. Okay. Because it has maybe one of the most depressing gameplay loops I have ever seen. Oh. So, it is an open-world, mission-based game set in Seoul, South Korea. Okay, uh, Mercenaries was like that, and I liked Mercenaries, so... Hmm. Did Mercenaries have you control a team of three characters that were... Basically, like, it's kind of like an RPG-based system where they could level up and unlock new skills and damage numbers flew off of enemies? It had you control three characters, except not really. You just picked one of them. Mm. Um, no, uh, no, it, it, it didn't do that because damage numbers, in point of fact, actually just make games worse. It is kind of, a, you know, I'm be, I'm becoming to, I'm coming around to that opinion too. Yeah, yeah. They, there was a long period in there where we were like, yeah, damage the number gets big. That's cool. Mm-hmm. And now, like ten years into the post Borderlands world, I'm like, I'm getting really tired of damage numbers, man. Yeah, because it, it turns out it just gives an excuse to make I give you procedurally generated guns that suck and enemies uh-huh. that are bullet sponges. Yeah, I'm just looking over at Genshin going like, wow, that looks like a really cool platinum game that is ruined by mm-hmm. the fact that it has damage numbers that you have to grind for months, or else you don't do anything to the bad guys. Yep. Yeah, and uh, you could probably guess that uh, Asians of Mayhem has at least one half of these, and that's uh-huh. the enemies seem pretty darn bullet spongy. Cool. Yeah. So, the general mission structure of this game is that the main bad guys, Legion, will try to steal a thing. You will stop Legion in the open world. They will retreat to their base, which always looks like a medical center clean room. Like, Mm. very white and very round. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll find a boss and blow up the lab and then have to make a dramatic escape with the timer counting down. Mm-hmm. And like it rinses and repeats while you are constantly shooting in, like waves of enemies that all have a ton of health. Right. Like even the open world sections are incredibly repetitive. Like you drive cars and whatnot. Uh, uh-huh. And like even like the YouTube video I was watching where uh, the player was going around completing objectives, like they were constantly being interrupted by giant enemies called go- golems spawning, spawning mm-hmm. in complete with the same bit of dialogue playing each time it happens. Great. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Which, by the way, I meant to do this at the start of the episode. I may just edit this in there. Uh-huh. I do want to mention that for the next two um, parts, I did reference uh, the same YouTube channel. And I figured since uh, I did that, I probably should give him a shout out. Yeah. I do want to acknowledge the YouTube channel that really helped make this possible. Gamers Little Playground a YouTube channel dedicated to uploading cutscenes with little bits of gameplay that tie it all together that does a very good job of not only showing you the story, but also the general flow of the game. While I won't say that this episode would have been impossible without them, I will say their videos are very, very useful and did a very good job of showing off even like how the game just generally works. Mm. I'll have a link to their channel and the videos used in the, des- in the uh, description of this episode. Excellent. Yeah. With that being said... Like, they cut out a lot of the gameplay. Like, mm-hmm. it's usually, like, little bits in there that have, like, dialogue that's relevant. They, mm-hmm. I swear to God, like, they had to fight, like, seven golems in there. They don't show them fighting the golems. It's just like, hey, a golem spawned. You probably should do that while they're literally doing another objective. And it's like, okay, this, um, it seems like you had a few ideas here. Why is this sounding like a Korean MMO from 2007? <laughs> That's why it's set in Seoul, South Korea. This sounds like a 15-year-old game design. It kind of does. And if I remember correctly, <laughs> that's how it reviewed. Of- <laughs> My god. Like, this is making me think of City of Heroes. <laughs> but not the good parts of City of Heroes, where you get to make a cool superhero person. No. no the, the lame parts, parts where you then have to play the video game. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds that sounds about right to me. Cause yeah, like the gameplay itself, when it reviewed, like it, like the gameplay was considered fine. It was just mm-hmm. like you constantly doing the same things over and over. And upon watching this, I'm like, oh yeah, you're just doing the same things over and over. So to give you the general premise of this game, uh, you are a team of agents from a group called Mayhem, also known as the multinational agency hunting evil masterminds. In case you're wondering, the A and Y are from agency, which makes this an acronym that I hate. (laughs) Now, they're fighting Legion, or the League of Evil Gentlemen Intent on Obliterating Nations. Alex, this is just G.I. Joe and Cobra, respectively. Yeah, yeah, I'm getting that. They didn't have to be acronyms. They could just be Mayhem and Legion. They could have been. Especially Legion. Like, Mayhem's a little weird for, like, a peacekeeping force. Legion could just be Legion. They could be, but nope. They have to have a meaning behind them. Like, I have not seen as many bad, like, forced acronyms like this since, like, Gundam Seed. Mm -hmm. Where, like, literally, like, every one of the mobile suits in there is, like, Zaku. And it's, like, every four letter in there is just Mm -hmm. something that's absolutely nuts. (laughs) It's like you don't you didn't have to do that. It's fine. You can just call him Zakus. You own the trademark. You're <laughs> you're Bandai Sunrise. But no, they decided to go that with that here. And 
When I say, like, Bayham's, like, literally G.I. Joe, I mean that the people in it are called, like, Hollywood, Hardtack, mm. Fortune, Kingpin, and so on. And, like, literally the leader of Legion might as well be Cobra Commander with how he ham things up as he intentionally destroys things like space lasers mm-hmm. and giant robots and whatnot. And really the tone of the game is it's intentionally very hammy and over the top. Right. Uh, in a way that I don't think it goes all the way or is really mm. particularly funny and novel with it. Uh. I, honestly, the visual style and the for what they're going with in this reminds me very much of second-rate Overwatch. Yeah. Yeah, I can see it. Yeah, like the city's a little too clean. The characters are a little too bright and round. Mm-hmm. They're a little too quippy, but at the same time, they don't have enough substance behind them. Right. And they don't have a legion of fans to make up a backstory for them that, you know, Felicia <laughs> could just pour it in later. Right. So, I it 2017, it makes sense. That's just what was people were doing at that time, yeah. but uh-huh. Yeah, it doesn't really particularly work. So, we might as well just kind of like jump into the plot and talk about this. So, the backstory is that at some point in the future, using technology fueled by dark matter, Legion launches a surprise attack on literally everyone. And that includes armies, cities, navies, you name it. Legion attacks it and obliterates it. Like, they literally teleport entire armies around using a thing called the Heliporter. Okay. Which is a name I admittedly like. Mm -hmm. They also somehow steal all the nuclear weapons in the world. Ah, okay. (laughs) Literally just poof them out of existence. So, the nations of the world are now powerless, but... Good news! The multinational corporation Ultor comes to the rescue and creates Mayhem, a group of murderous weirdos led by a mysterious woman named Persephone Brimstone. Mm-hmm. Told you to remember that name. Yep. Mm-hmm. So first off, I will say this about Volition. They have not lost their ability to name things. At least not Fair. completely, because I think mm-hmm. Persephone Brimstone is a great name. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Though, to be fair, I also think that Persephone is maybe the best part of Agents of Mayhem. Ah. Which, granted, there's not a whole lot of good things in this game. Right. So I am going to start doing up a clip here. And I don't know if I'm going to include this part in here, but I am just going to say that there's a lot of clips of Sean Shake Redemption that I'm having to go through (laughs) in order to find the video that I... uh, Wanted to show off. Good on me. Uh, yeah, I think you get the point. Right. I I don't know, man. I don't know what they're going for. It is like it really just seems like it's the like most G.I. Joe thing there. And right. I guess to explain, because um that clip has absolutely zero voices in there, so it'll probably be cut out entirely. That is literally just the opening cutscene to Agents of Mayhem that I just showed, Alex, that mm-hmm. essentially just shows off the characters fighting a very G.I. Joe-like battle. Right. Uh, complete with a blue side of good heroes running towards a wacky side of red villains. And it, just, it, it has no style. It doesn't. No, it really doesn't. And, like, I don't know if that's intentional. Like, is it supposed to be a parody? But if it's a parody, it forgot to wink at the camera. Yeah, and that's the thing. It never really does wink. Like, it tries to be over mm-hmm. the top, but it doesn't go all the way. Right. 
But it never really tries to be serious either. Right. Yeah, like it doesn't it doesn't have the style to be earnest in an interesting way, mm-hmm. but it doesn't have the humor to be like satirical. It's just sort of like at best it is mocking the standard while also being the standard. Mhm. Yeah. Like I was I was thinking about so first of all I was thinking about like okay, if I was 8 and I saw this as like the intro of a cartoon. And first of all, okay, this game's not supposed to be marketed to eight-year-olds. Mm-hmm. But like, would I find that intro cool? Maybe in the 90s, but we have done everything about that intro already. Yeah. So it's not legitimately fresh or interesting. It's just retreading early 2000s cartoon intros with Slightly better, but also less interesting technology. Mm. Yeah, and like, I'm going to give it credit for the fact that it's animated. It's an animated Mm -hmm. intro, like, appears to be 2D hand-drawn, probably flash animated, but still. Uh Uh, And like, most of the cutscenes are actually animated, Mm. which is like a surprising amount of work that's being put into that. Yeah. And I personally do like that, but yeah, it... It doesn't really give you much of a sense of, yeah, like, once again, like, is is this something that's actually cool? Right. Yeah, and it's unfortunate that most of the game, once again, is just going to be kind of like that, which kind of, like, settles in with the rest of the fact of, like, the gameplay being kind of blah. Like, mm-hmm. everything about this is just kind of blah. Mm-hmm. So, once again, Persephone is maybe the best part of Agents of Mayhem. Uh, that clip didn't really show it off, but she's essentially the Baroness from G.I. Joe. Right. So, a raven-haired femme fatale who used to work for Legion, but then after an event called The Devil's Night, which uh, was when uh, Legion basically launched that surprise attack on everybody, mm-hmm. uh, she basically became fed up with them and decided to betray them. Now, the thing I like about her is that she fucking hates every one of her agents. <laughs> she thinks everyone is beneath her, and honestly, it's it's the one thing in this that works, is her mm. sheer contempt for everything. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, there's a good cutscene about, like, her backstory where her assistant Penny is like, hey, you know, we're just trying to do, like, they're doing showing off, like, a marketing video, mm. and Penny is like, well, you know, I, I think this is, like, we gotta show off, like, your good, like, heroic side. And she's like, listen... They don't give a shit who they're working for. They know I used to be part of Morningstar, the big bad guy, uh, team and whatnot. It's just, this is not good versus evil. This is bad versus pure evil. <laughs> Fortunately, Ultor Corporation enlisted the one person capable of striking back at Legion on their own ruthless terms. Stop. I can't take anymore. What? This is what you asked for. No, Friday. I wanted instructional content, not melodrama, not this this terror porn. Who selected this content anyway? I'm fine with it. I'm going to smoke my cigarette right now. <laughs> so yeah, I am 100% here for that. Which is good because the rest of the characters are a big old pile of nothing. <laughs> Which is interesting because this this sounds like a very like what if Amanda Waller was somehow worse? Yeah. Set up, which makes it sound like they're setting up, like, the Suicide Squad or the Thunderbolts or something. Mm-hmm. But then it's like, no, it's just, just yeah, Joe's just their commanding officer is an asshole. Yep, pretty much. It's like, oh, okay. 
Yeah, it it's one of those things where if I think if Agents of Mayhem got a a sequel, they mm-hmm. could probably do like some really interesting things with Persephone. Mm-hmm. But uh, there, that's not going to happen. This game did not right. do well. Yeah, and it's unfortunate because she's the once again she is like the one character in this entire game that has like a good fleshed out backstory of like how her and her husband were a part of Legion, and she got kind of cold feet about their their plans for world domination and whatnot that we'll get into here in a second and like ended up betraying them like there's like really good detail in here that the rest of this rest of the cast including like the main villain just don't get (laughs) right okay so but why because i think there was too many of them you have 12 agents yeah. that you oh, can play God. as. Technically, oh. I think it's like 15 if you include the DLC. Oh, no. He says as he scrolls down to make sure he's accurate about this. Yes. Yeah, so like, what happens is that you have like characters like Hollywood, who's on the box and is the, one of the first mm-hmm. agents you could use. His backstory is that he is a Hollywood actor who was bad at his job and accidentally killed somebody on set. And so Persephone basically got his legal troubles to go away, and now he is the face of mayhem. Or like how Fortune, whose backstory is that she's a sky pirate, which that's interesting. You don't get any more information about that, but she's good at stealing things, and so Persephone recruited her. What What is a sky pirate in this world? Uh, it's somebody who has an airship and robs people. Okay. Th- oh, you want oh. more detail? You're not going to get it. Not in this game. Yeah, yeah, that seems like an interesting premise, especially since it's supposed to be the modern world. Wow, you could really do some interesting things with that. Yeah. Like, the the simple fact that you're throwing airships in here is like, oh, wow, that's <laughs> like, that that's a d- new sci-fi angle. Yeah. You can go on that. And there there's piracy? Does that mean there's, like, airship trade routes? Yeah, that, I mean, that'd be very interesting if there was. There's not. Oh. But the, it would be. Here, let me okay. give you a character that's a little bit more banal. Let me tell you about Red Card. Uh-huh. Red Card is an angry Scottish football player who one day Legion attacks his stadium while he's playing the game, and so he gets angry and Scottish and beats people up. And so he gets recruited because he's good at beating people up in a soccer riot. Cool. It's it's interesting that these characters are all stereotypes, but they're not like offensive stereotypes. Right. They're just very boring and paper thin stereotypes. Right. Why does this game need 12 characters? Because you take three of them on a mission and you can freely switch between them. They're not all uh-huh. three out uh, at the same time, by the way. You just hit a button and then one another one warps in. And okay. they all have different skills. Like some are better at hacking and some are better at shooting. Okay. Why didn't you make three characters and give them different skills? Well, then, see, you couldn't include the, the four Saints Row characters that are what? in this, like like Pierce. You, th- there's a lot of solutions for that, actually. They could be NPCs. They could or, just be your characters. They could be. Or heck, they could just maybe not even be in the game. Also that. <laughs> yeah, this is kind of cannibalizing a later section, but I might as well just go over this here. Okay. Yeah, see, there's four Saints Row characters in this game. Two in the base game, two in D- that are DLC. Mm-hmm. So Pierce Washington is in this game. Uh, okay. Pierce, in this timeline, is the leader of the Vice Kings in Stillwater. And he basically brings all the gangs together uh, and makes them all a united front. So when Legion shows up on the Devil's Night, they just like basically kick him out of Stillwater. And so Persephone recruits him because of that. Sure. There's Oleg. Uh, In this one, he's a Russian cyborg. 
who plays okay. chess. Sure. There you go. And then the two DLC ones are Johnny Gat, uh-huh. who is a cop in Seoul, who's just really good at being a hard-nosed cop until he accidentally blows himself up. Why is he in Seoul? I don't know why. He just is. Okay. And Kenzie Kensington, who background is that she was with the FBI and hacked Mayhem, and so she got recruited because of that. Okay. Uh, by the way, the two most popular characters in Saints Row, Johnny mm-hmm. Gad and Kenzie Kensington, they're the DLC characters, which feels very cynical somehow. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. So, yeah, like, those are the characters, but yeah, there, there's so many of them, they're so paper-thin that, like, even, right. like, the interesting ones, like, there's a character who's an Arabian ninja, which I'm like, I, I'm kind of cool with that, sure. Yeah. You don't get anything much past that. Like, you get a little bit of dialogue that she maybe knows a little bit more about Persephone that she lets on, mm-hmm. but other than two lines of dialogue, there's nothing else. So it's, it's really unfortunate. Yeah. So, let's get back to the one character that's actually written in this game, Persephone. So, we've established that she hates her own team, but she hates Legion even more. So, Legion is led by a mysterious man named Morningstar, which is a callback to Saints Row 3. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he has his stated goal of world domination. So, it turns out, Persephone found out that, in reality, he wanted to destroy uh, reality using dark matter. And so, because of this, Persephone betrays them. Problem is, is that she actually has a husband who's also part of Legion, and she didn't tell him. Oh. And so when she betrays uh, Legion, her husband destro- decides to nuke Paris. Okay, that seems like a reasonable response. Yeah, he did that because Persephone's favorite city was Paris. Ah. Uh. And so she, like, decides to angrily divorce him on the spot, or at least grab a ring and throw it on the ground. Right, yeah, that makes sense. And she decides to form Mayhem with Ultor because of that. So, the game starts with Dr. Babylon and his army of hell troopers uh, attacking Seoul, South Korea. Because it turns out they want to get more dark matter to do more bad dark matter things. Like, destroy reality and just alter it and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Persephone absolutely hates Dr. Babylon, who... Dr. Babylon is basically a thin Turkish man with mm-hmm. uh, cybernetic parts who's basically, like, the brains behind the operation. Like, he answers only to Morningstar. He's more or Mm -hmm. less his second command. And after the Agents Mayhem destroy his base, like, Morningstar is like, hey, listen, you fail one more time, I'm gonna totally murder you for incompetence. And so Babylon's like, okay, I need to call all of my fun lieutenants here and figure out a way to get a dark matter crystal so powerful we can alter reality. So, he finds out there's a comet that's coming towards Earth that its core is pure dark matter. So much so that he could use that to power a giant robot and use that to basically destroy the world. So, he decides that he's going to use Soul as a base of his operations and from there, basically just do what he needs to do in order to stop Mayhem and get this crystal. So, we immediately meet one of Babylon's first, like, lieutenants. And that's a guy named Hammersmith. Hammersmith is a Scottish man with a long, scraggly beard and long hair who basically was just, like, really into making weapons for all the major nations. Mm-hmm. But then one day, he just suddenly disappeared. Because it turns out Babylon, Dr. Babylon found him and was like, hey, how about I feed you a nice meal and point a gun at you and try to force you to work with me? 
And then Hammersmith was like, yo, bro, I just want to make cool guns. And I bet you I can make cool guns with you. So they decided to become fast friends and whatnot. So long story short, he tries to make basically like a tractor beam that will pull the comet down into orbit and like allow them to just get the crystal out. Mm-hmm. The agents managed to stop that. Uh, he has to like run away with his tail between his legs. Not really much more to say other than that. Right. Quick question. They're trying to destroy the world? Yes. Like, do they care about how they destroy the world? So it seems like they literally want to tear reality apart. Okay. Because I feel like if you had a tractor beam that could pull in asteroids, you could just pull it into a collision course with the Earth and destroy it that way. You could, but to be fair, that would not, like, tear reality apart. Right. So, can't quite do that. You're, you need the power of dark of dark matter in this. Okay. So, next up, you have August Gaunt. August Gaunt is another one of Babylon's lieutenants, and he's basically like a thin man in his early 20s. Uh, has like a kind of like short hair that's like parted to the side with a, with a shaved head around. He is basically like a spoiled rich kid. That's like mm-hmm. more or less how he acts. He basically talks in emojis and like, you know, says things like, man, I'm going to pwn you and stuff like that. Uh, Yeah, his writing is very, very tiring. Yes. Almost immediately. Now, his thing, though, is that he is a tech genius and the sense of he has ideas and he has other people do it for him. Now, and he also thinks that he's going to be like a really cool superstar who's going to like basically be a great singer and a great DJ and all that. And that's like his big aspiration. Now, it turns out he has a new product coming out, a new VR headset that is going to just set the world on fire. And he's going to host a rave where he's going to give it out. Mm-hmm. And so um, this... Uh, VR Wait, head- isn't this guy trying to destroy the world? Well, he's trying to help, like, Legion take it over. So... I guess I should clarify, a lot of, like, the lieutenants in Legion think mm-hmm. that they're just trying to establish, like, a new world order where okay. they rule. They do not realize that Morningstar wants to tear reality apart. Okay. The only one who does is Dr. Babylon and Persephone. Okay. So, so August's whole idea is, we're going to take over the world, and also I'm going to sell this cool headset. Yes. Okay. Now, to be fair, this cool VR headset is an evil VR headset. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. It's... And I bet you could probably guess what it does to people. Does it trap people in virtual reality? Ooh, not quite. It turns them to rage zombies. What? <laughs> I was I was gonna give them a little bit of credit. Like, boy, you sure at least you're hitting all the 90s hits. No, alright, sure. Zombies, rage zombies. Okay, sure. <laughs> yep. Yep, pretty much. Yeah, so they all get angry and attack the agents when they go to stop uh, Gaunt at his uh, at his rave or whatnot. Uh, a cutscene happens where, like, Legion fires a laser down, destroys an ancient temple in Seoul, and August mm-hmm. Gaunt uses this as an opportunity to slander the agents of Mayhem as being the people who destroyed it. And they're going to host a benefit concert in order to help repair it called I Am The World featuring Aisha. That will, de- that will debut the second-generation VR headset. So, like, Persephone's also, like, really upset about this. Like, there's, mm-hmm. like, a really good thing in here where she's like, if you fail, I'm, I am literally going to kill you all. I will put all your heads <laughs> on a stick. 
You you people need to stop fucking up. Our reputation is bad. So you go to this concert. Uh, you end up uh, the agents end up stopping Gaunt. Um, and when they do like stop his like technology and whatnot, they find out that he was using a microphone that was like an auto tuner that uh, was like making his voice actually sound not terrible. And when his vo- real vo- singing voice comes out, it breaks everybody's like out of like their like VR headset trance, and so they immediately start hating on August Gaunt. And eventually, he's like, "No, why do people hate me?" And he starts crying, and he's immediately arrested. So while this is happening, though, it turns out that the uh, singer who's going to perform with him, Aisha, ends up getting stolen. Great. And when I say the word stolen, it's because Aisha is not a real person. Oh my god. That's right. Aisha is an AI K-pop group. Uh. <laughs> yeah. It turns out that Aisha uh, is kidnapped by somebody named Buckley Roberts, a.k.a. Steel Toe, another lieutenant of, May- of uh, Legion. So... Steeltoe is a cyborg who thinks humans are weak and that people should replace all their bodies with, like, robot parts. So he went about accomplishing this by going and finding prominent doctors and cybernetics, killing them, stealing their technologies, and making himself more powerful. Now, he wants Aisha to basically sync up his brain with her in order to, like, basically become an AI himself and create the singularity. Okay. But here's the thing, Alex. It takes mm-hmm. a twist. Because one, Aisha's not one AI. It's five AIs. I know. I know how Vocaloid works. Very good. Yes, it is indeed a group. <laughs> they all have different names, but they're referred to in the game as like Red Aisha, Blue Aisha, Purple oh, Aisha, whatnot. I thought they would be like five members whose names spelled out Aisha. It's not impossible. They might. Okay. I may not have been paying close enough attention because they don't they don't say their names until like like halfway through in a mission when like uh-huh. one of the sister starts talking to the other. So it is actually possible that they do do that. It's fine. We don't need to give this game enough time to verify. Yeah. Yeah, no, I don't worry, I was not bothering. <laughs> so the point is though is that they're five different AIs mm-hmm. and Steel Toe falls in love with one of them, the red Aisha. Okay, sure. Yeah. So they're going to have a wedding. And they're going to have a wedding barge, which is a flying airship. Do these AIs have, like, self-determination? Yes, they do, actually. Okay. (laughs) And one of them wants to marry Steel Toe. Okay, sure. So the uh, mayhem shows up and they blow up Steel Toe. And the AIs escape. They just go into cyberspace and whatnot. And then they hold a virtual funeral for a first steel toe where Red Aisha is very, very sad. And then she goes, sisters, we should get our revenge. And they decide to get the revenge by going on a press tour where they go like, man, yeah, we're really sad about how our soulmate died. Anyways, I'm going to release a new single that also just somehow kills people. They listen to it. And they just the life drains out of them. I, I feel like the AI singularity turning against humanity should be a little bit more terrifying than this, but okay. <laughs> yep, it's it's not. It's just K-pop song that can kill you, apparently. Okay, cool. So, 
Mayhem has to go to the VR world and capture all five pieces of, of Aisha in order to neutralize it. Uh, they're not able to do that. They only capture one of them, the purple Aisha. Uh-huh. Uh, because it turns out she's totally not down with the whole kill humanity plan. Okay. And she's like, hey, listen, if you help me just, like, convince my sister not to do this, you know, and you spare, like, the rest of my sisters, I will help you out. And so Persephone's like, yeah, probably not. I'm probably going to kill you anyways. But uh, if you want to help us out, that's cool, too. And while this is happening, like, the other Aishas are bickering amongst themselves, like, hey, maybe we should, like, go through our plans for revenge. And Red Aisha is like, absolutely not. Kills one of the other Aishas, chains up the other two and says, you're going to now use your powers for my means of killing people. Is this how AIs work? Apparently so, yeah. Okay. Yeah, apparently AIs can kill other AIs and then chain up other AIs and then use their power to drain humanity. That's just... Uh, uh-huh. They can just do that. Okay. Uh, so... Long story short, you go into their secret lair that's a white clean room, and you free the other two Aishas. You fight Red Aisha after she decides the real world sucks and needs to be destroyed and puts her program mm. into a giant geth robot. Okay. And after you disable the robot, Purple Aisha tries to convince a grieving Red Aisha to stop, but instead, Red Aisha just ends up getting deleted. And that's kind of the end of that. Yep, okay. So now on to the final lieutenant, and this is Aradine. So Aradine is a crazy hacker lady who is into robots. She Wait, how many of these people are tech or robot-centric? Every one of them. <laughs> including Dr. Babylon, as we'll find out. Okay, great. Yeah, they're, they're all master hackers, and they all are able to, like, use robots, and... Coincidentally, there's a lot of hacking in this game that Mayhem does as well. Okay. They just okay. really like hacking, apparently. So, Aradine, big thing is that she was very rebellious. So, Dr. Babylon decided to put a control chip in her in order mm-hmm. to, so she would do his bidding. All this did, though, was make her go completely mad until she was able to just, like, control the control chip herself. And basically okay. turned her into, like, a cackling madwoman. Uh, she's, she's the Joker, basically. Okay, great. Got it. You know, makes inappropriate jokes and is very whimsical. Mm-hmm. That's her entire thing. So, her big thing, though, is that she hacks a bunch of robots to start abducting people. Because it turns out, Aradine wants to steal people's minds and upload them into the computer. Now, she wants to do that so she can gather all the knowledge in the world and upload it into herself. Now, she targets a conference where the brightest minds in the world are meeting in Seoul, and uh, Mayhem has to stop them. Now, they aren't able to completely stop her. Like, they end up being lifeless husks, so they have to now track down Aradine in order and get, like, basically their minds back before their bodies mm-hmm. deteriorate. What happened to the dark matter thing? Oh, that's still going on in the background, usually with things like, oh, no, there's... A new dark matter fracking station you need to destroy. Okay. Oh, you can frack dark matter, by the way. It's soul apparently is full of dark matter that gets constantly fracked out of the ground. Uh, is that how that works? Apparently it is. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Dark matter is just all around us. Cool. So, Aradine, like, eventually kidnaps um, one of your support staff from Mayhem, a person named Gremlin, who's also a master hacker and roboticist. There's not enough of those in the game. 
Right. It traps her to a weird dollhouse in order to, like, upload her mind. But mm-hmm. Mayhem shows up and rescues her. Not before, like, she doesn't, like, at least partially steal her mind, put it in herself, and becomes, like, a weird cyber lady for a second. Mm-hmm. Now, Ardine gets away. Uh, and she's able to, like, use her newfound knowledge to just rip out her control chip and put it into, like, Babylon's, uh, like, network. And that's for the sole purpose of hacking a giant robot named Damocles. Because okay. you see, Dr. Babylon, his whole deal is that back in 1947, mm-hmm. he discovered that dark matter could be used in all sorts of things. Mostly guns. Mostly Mm-hmm. And that's how okay. he got in contact with Morningstar, who was like, Dark Matter guns sound cool, and Dark Matter is basically magic in this game. You should work for me. Now, eventually, he was tasked with building Damocles, which when Damocles has the giant Dark Matter crystal from space, it'll be able to do things like alter reality and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So, Aradine, though, hates Legion and hates Babylon, so she wants to take control of Damocles for her own ends. Which is what? Uh, it's not really explained. Probably just more or less accomplishes the same thing that Morningstar has, because she seems just has the destructive bent. Okay. She uh, doesn't really get far enough to <laughs> accomplish this, really. <laughs> I'm still completely unclear on what anyone's motivation is in this game. <laughs> Legion wants to take over the world, except for Morningstar and Dr. Babylon, who want to destroy reality, and Mayhem wants to stop them. But also, some of Legion also doesn't want to take over the world. They just want to do cool robot things and put people in the computers. This is very true. Hammersmith just wants to make cool guns. August Scott just wants to be a fail boy. And it is unclear what Aradine wants, but probably bad things. This game just feels like Kinsey wrote the whole thing. Yeah, it kind of does, doesn't it? Like, she was just like, what if people liked computers and guns and there were bad guys and good guys and they all liked computers and hacking? (laughs) That'd be pretty rad, right? As Pierce reads the script and goes like, yeah, nah, sounds good, Kenzie. uh, 3X structure is a thing. (laughs) Yeah, I I would like to say that there's like more here that I'm like skipping over and whatnot, but Uh there really isn't. Like, it literally is, like, a po- like point A to point B with how right. it does this sort of thing. Just, things just kind of happen, and then you deal with the things, and then move on to the next thing. Yeah, like, it's it's not even, like, even, like, Mayhem's, like, making any sort of progress to apprehending Dr. Babylon. It's just more right. like they're putting out fires that happen on occasion. And then going and blowing up their base and escaping dramatically. Wow. Yeah, it it's not great, Alex. It's not great. So... Now there's a big race to find Damocles because he already locks Dr. Babylon out from Damocles because she wants to use it him herself. Mm-hmm. And so he's racing against Mayhem to find it. And eventually, like, they both get there at the same time. Dr. Babylon gets into Damocles' control room only for the agents to, like, literally blow him out of it and, like, cause him to, like, literally launch into the sky Team Rocket style. Okay. Now... This somehow doesn't stop him from getting into the cockpit of Damocles and launching into space. What? <laughs> getting the dark matter crystal that's up there <laughs> uh-huh. and putting it into the robot. Wait, what happened to Aradine? That's a great question, because you see, Aradine is still there. Uh-huh. Because you see, when he actually activates Damocles' full power, it turns out the control chip she put into um, uh, Legion's uh, control system 
activates and starts to steal his mind. The problem, though, is that it doesn't go all the way. Mm-hmm. And instead just convinces Babylon that actually he has all the power. Screw Morningstar and screw Legion. He could just be like the ruler of all cosmos. Okay. In case you're wondering what happens to Ardeen after this. Great question. I, I want to know, too. She just kind of disappears. Oh. So, Damocles now starts to alter reality and manipulate gravity. And, like, there's now, like, rifts in reality that are just opened up. And Mayhem decides they had to hop through them in order to get to get to where Dr. Babylon is. Mm-hmm. And this is an excuse to do a boss rush. Now, once uh, they get into Damocles, they find out that Dr. Babylon has rewritten reality to make him and his lieutenants rulers of the world. And also to make Art put Ardeen under his control again. Like, she does show up. It's just unclear if it's, like, actually Ardeen or, like, alternate reality Ardeen. Right. So, you defeat them. You blow up Damocles just as the Aegis escape the rift. Babylon manages to survive just long enough for another one of uh, the lieutenants of Legion, Marcus Longagius, to show up and take away Dr. Babylon, saying... Morningstar wants to have a word with you. Mm Mm-hmm. And that is the end of the game. Oh, boy. Yeah. It's kind of an abrupt ending. And, Mm -hmm. uh... Yeah, so, uh... Let's go over what I liked about this. Mm Mm-hmm. I like the animated cutscenes. As a person who likes animation and the fact that Mm -hmm. it's not used often enough. Second, I saw that there was a lot there. I was like, this is fun. I like this. Yeah. I I think it's cool they're there. I'm not a huge fan, again, of their style. Mm. They're, they're very early 2000s American animation style, which I th- think is a style that kind of dropped off for a reason. They feel very Archer. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah. That, that's a style that's like, looks really good in still frame, but doesn't animate super well because every frame is kind of hard to draw so you can't really have a lot of motion in there Mm -hmm. i i feel like is the reason for that so you end up with things that look really nice but move very stilted Mm -hmm. yeah yeah no and you're not wrong about that yeah there's a very much like once again there's very much like an adobe like and like adobe illustrator slash flash like vibe going on there Mm -hmm. With the way the limbs move and everything. Yeah. Like, it's above typical Flash animation, but it's not, like, true, t- like, 2D hand-drawn animation. Right. So, but regardless, I did appreciate that they were there. Mm-hmm. And I also like Persephone and some of the villains. That's about it. As for what I didn't like, the characters in the game are unfortunately very weak. Like, mm-hmm. I've kind of already gone over their, like, details and motivations, so I won't really go into it too much here, but... This right. game has a very Saints Row 2 problem mm. of most of their characters being surprisingly either one note or just half-baked. Right. Like, you probably noticed that other than the very beginning, I didn't talk about any of the other agents during the game. Mm-hmm. Like, they're they're introduced throughout there. They get their own animated cutscenes, and that's kind of about it. Well... It also has the problem of a variable roster, which means no one can be central to the plot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And, like, Saints Row the Third solved this by kind of, like, having each game, like, 
flesh out these characters. Mm-hmm. So, like, it was piecemeal, sure, but they eventually got to the point that you cared about, like, Pierce and Shondi, for instance. Right. But with Agents of Mayhem, like, yeah, like you said, like, having so many characters, like, once again, 12 agents in the base game and three DLC agents, and we'll never get a sequel, there's just not enough time for any of them to breathe. Right. And there's interesting characters in there. There's the Arabian Ninja I mentioned earlier. There's mm-hmm. Daisy, who's a tough roller derby comp- competitor who loves to get drunk. Like, there are interesting characters in there that you just never get any more detail because they right. don't have time. So, yeah. Once again, part of me wants a sequel just so we can get more Persephone being done with things. But, well, we won't. Because this no. game flops. So let's move yeah. on to their second and final attempt to reboot Saints Row. <laughs> Saints Row 2022. So, once again, if I remember correctly, Alex, you also know very little about this. I know very little. I've just heard that it's like, again, it is a series reboot, like a real full reboot this time. Mm-hmm. Um, it goes back to trying to be kind of grounded and serious. And from what I've heard, just nothing really lands. Yeah, I think there are a few things that do land. Mm-hmm. I think there is more merit to this game than Agents of Mayhem. Okay. Like, by the end of this game, I was kind of like, I-, I could actually see more of this. Mm. That being said, there is a lot in this that doesn't land. So, to begin with, this is a game that once again takes place in the American Southwest in a fictional mm-hmm. town of Santo Ilesco. A town that has uh, very heavy Southwestern Old West vibes. Like, mm. Not just like a southwestern town like El Paso or Albuquerque, but like mm-hmm. literally like, hey, there's saloons and stuff. Okay. Which is a level of commitment I actually did not expect. Uh-huh. But it also crosses it with vibes of not necessarily like big southwestern cities uh, like Phoenix or whatnot, but like L.A. a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like there's literally like an L.A. sign standard in this. Mm. It's a really weird mix that I think works mm-hmm. on some parts and doesn't on others, but... Mm. I will say this, it's different for an open-world city, and also, thank God it's not Steelport. Yeah. So, I'm gonna give it that, if nothing else. And yeah, as previously mentioned, it is a full reboot, and the character designs are radically different. Like, it's not like beefcake people and overly sexualized characters, like in Saints Row uh, 2 and 3. Mm-hmm. Uh, but rather, once again, I think I mentioned uh, in the first episode, it's kind of like... Uh, if Bruno Mars tried to be a gangster, like very right. thin characters, like like very thick glasses on some of the characters, um, uh, very stylized hair. When a character literally wears a bow tie, unironically. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think their character designs are necessarily bad. It's just it definitely gives a vibe. Right. So and uh, we'll be seeing some of those characters in the cutscene here in a little bit. So this game starts out. Um, at a Southwestern-style mission, like, uh, for those of you who don't f- are familiar, missions are uh, old uh, Spanish buildings that were a combi- combination of church and learning center for Native Americans. Uh, there's quite a few of them in the Southwest. El Paso has mm-hmm. a couple. There's a very famous one in San Antonio where a bunch of idiots got killed. <laughs> they're, they're cool. They're usually very pretty to look at. Yes. Which makes sense why it starts out at one of them that's decked out in the colors of the Third Street Saints. And we see a limo pull up, and a man named Antonio pulls out a briefcase full of cash to make a deal. We find out that there's an incredibly giant party going on to celebrate the Third Street Saints. Uh, we see there's a cat that looks absolutely terrible. 
<laughs> Famous sticker doodle. And we find out that our main character, the boss, the boss walks out to the party to see how everything is going and gives a recruitment video via cell phone cam. Basically just saying, man, fuck all the local gangs. Join up the Third Street Saints. We are the best. And then we immediately cut to the boss's broken phone on the ground as they're dragged to a grave and buried alive. So, we flash back to a few months earlier. And we find out that the boss is part of a team called Marshall Defense Industries. Now, Marshall Defense Industries is a paramilitary organization run by a southern marshal. <laughs> uh, uh, whose last name is literally Marshall. Whose right. getup I absolutely love. He is a white man with basically like a Colonel Sanders like mustache and goatee mm -hmm. who wears like an all white suit with an all okay, not technically all white, a white suit, a white cowboy hat that has like bright blue trim to it all. Mm. It is such good look, Alex. <laughs> like it tells you exactly if this that this character is gonna suck, and mm -hmm. I also kind of wanna wear at. I'm so into it. So we find out that the boss is a new recruit in Marshall and that their first mission is to go take down a criminal by the name of the Nanahali. Now, the Nanahali is basically like, he's a, he's a Mexican cowboy. That's 100% okay. what he is. He has a bandolier and everything. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he wears a red dress shirt with a black vest. He has a handlebar mustache. He is the one cool character of this game. Mm. Now, he is like... When, he, when the boss, like, finds him, he's, like, too busy getting drunk next to the bodies of a bunch of martial soldiers. And, like, he's just immediately dismissive of her. He's just like, man, whatever. You can't do anything. I'm going to casually throw a knife not even looking and nearly hit you with it. Now I'm going to run away. So the boss has to, like, chase after him, like, while, while her commanding officer is like, hey, don't do anything crazy. Follow my orders. Stop being a loose cannon, boss. While the mm -hmm. boss is a complete sarcastic asshole towards her, like, I'm gonna fuck you, I'm gonna do what I want. I'm gonna get the job done. I'm like dirty hairy and whatnot. That's what my character is. The boss is the boss is kind of insufferable at the start of the game, mm -hmm. to be honest. Because mm -hmm. you don't get any reason why she should be acting like this in the first place. Right. Like, you get hints and pieces that she's just really good at murder, but she hasn't proved herself to any of these people. She's been given orders like, hey, stick with your team and like try not to do anything too crazy. And she's like, fuck that. I'm going to jump on this Beetle jet. <laughs> so she manages to jump onto a jet that Nahali hijacked. She crashes the jet. She gets Nahali arrested and everything seems great, except the boss didn't follow orders. So she doesn't get paid. So she drives home and she's absolutely nuclear as she goes back home to see her friends. And... Boy, her friends. Alex, I got a clip for you. Oh, boy. So here is the clip. Oh, everything smells amazing, Kev. You know what would make it smell even better? Hey, man, if you want a $300 waffle maker, you can buy it with the exposure the idols pay you in. Don't expect us to chip in. I've told you before, the idols are trying to build a post-capitalist society where money is not a concept. Yeah? Then why don't you go run off and join the commune? I'm into showering. Are you going to help me get the waffle maker or not? As an investor, I don't like wasting money. You're wearing a fucking bow tie. <sighs> okay, I will throw in 20 bucks for a waffle maker. Nina? Um, good for 10? Who helped you move your forged paintings last month? 
Fine, 15. What sort of waffle maker can I get for 35 bucks? Uh, presumably one that makes fucking waffles? Hey! <laughs> hey! The wave slave is back! I can tell you love it. Okay. I don't have to love it, I have to pay my student loans. <laughs> I'm in. So I'm guessing that means the pay's good. Uh, it's supposed to be. Got stiffed on my bonus today. Dude, what the fuck? I played a little fast and loose on the job and, uh... Are we gonna make rent? We'll make rent. We just gotta be a little more creative. Last time we got creative, I got stabbed three times. Hey, it would've been four times if Nina and I hadn't shown up. It would've been zero times if you were on time. This is true. Look, this is really not a big deal. We just knock off a payday loan place. No one gives a shit if people rob those bastards. You have a job now. You could actually just take the loan. Eli, I don't do business with morally bankrupt companies. You work for Marshall. Brunch is a time for friends and mimosas, not debates on morality. All right, all right. Man, this is really fucking good, Kev. Thanks. I was worried I added too much pepper. Mm -mm. Mm, no, seriously, this is perfect. The only way this could be better is if you put on a fucking shirt. Dinner and a show, baby. Oh, please. <laughs> 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 so a bit of a long clip, but mm -hmm. the reason why I wanted to show off that entire thing was to give you a vibe of the characters. Because uh -huh. I think that I think that pretty much would will do it. Yep. Yeah, I think so. So well, it'll be a, there'll be a truncated clip that will be in the show, and I will I'll post the full the full clip to uh, to the show notes and whatnot. But for those of y'all who don't wasn't understanding what was going on there, basically the boss comes home to their to his uh, to her friends, I should say, uh, Nina, Kev, and Eli. And basically, they're more or less early 20-somethings who are all kind of down on their luck, kind of just trying to make their way through the world, all while being kind of insufferable. Mm-hmm. Like, I have here, and I, I think maybe this is a little off-base, but I have just in my notes the, the line, oh my god, these people are insufferably liberal. <laughs> and like, I'm pretty left-leaning, but I mean, I'm just like, I just have your examples like, who cares if we rob a payday loan place? Nobody cares about those leashes. And I also have other segments right after this where like Eli pops up about like what sort of car you picked, like your carbon footprint always matters. Or I don't do business with morally bankrupt companies. And it's like, okay, yeah, well, no, I get it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My point being with this is that it is not a strong start. <laughs> no. Also, for what it's worth, the animation on these cutscenes is like weird. It's very stilted and bad. It's bad. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It um this is something that may have gotten fixed up uh in after this game came out. I should caveat that the cutscenes that I did pull from were from Gamer's Little Playground. Mm -hmm. And they did actually mention that Volition and uh, Embracer actually gave them a copy before launch that, so they could actually get these cutscenes up. Mm. Which, interesting business decision? On their yeah, I don't know if this is the part I would have gone out of my way to advertise to potential customers ahead of time. Yeah, and also Saints Row 2022 launched famously broken. Mm -hmm. And there's actually many examples throughout the cutscenes I was watching where, like, the camera and animation would just bug out and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, so like, it could be just partially that. But yeah, there's like things like the lighting seems off, the character models, like 
instills look fine, but when they move, do not. Yeah. Yeah, it's not it's not a great presentation. It's, it's not great. Mm-hmm. So you get your introduction to these characters, and they're like, well, we can't make rent. And so they decide, why don't we just rob a payday loan place? And they're like, hell yeah, let's get some guns and do that. So, like, okay, these are not the worst written characters I've ever seen. No, they definitely are not. But I'm just watching this whole thing, and I'm like, okay, this is a bunch of, like, early college graduates. Mm Mm-hmm rooming in like a rental house to afford rent and you know going through it is like what if the cast of big bang theory one of them just worked for a pmc (laughs) and then that didn't pay enough so they decided to get guns and go rob a bank I don't know. I think I'd be kind of into that show. It'd be it'd be nuts, but it's like you're not setting up the characters for what they're doing. Yeah, you you really aren't. And I will say that they are going to course correct over the the course of this game. Uh huh. But yeah, no. At the very start, it's like I I think I have it written down here somewhere that they're like they remind me of the cast of Rent, the play. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Right. Of like. Oh man, look at us. We're artistes and we're really down on our, our luck. We can right. call dad for rent at any point. We don't need to do this, but he, right. we got to suffer for the art. Like, they we, give we, that vibe. Right. And also, like, not to harp on this, but the boss just does not give off PMC vibes. <laughs> she does not know. Like, nothing about this is like, oh yeah, that seems like a trained mercenary. Yeah, it, it should be noted that you can't customize your character. Although, judging from the story trailer, that is the the default look for the female boss. So, that is what they were like, nah, this is trained, yeah, this is trained PMC. Like, where where she says, like, I gotta pay my student rent, it seems like she literally just graduated with her bachelor's, Mm -hmm. looked at her student loans and said, well, I guess professional murder pays well. (laughs) Well, that's, I mean, you know, that's what her minor was in, you know, she got... Yeah, sure. You know, she she majored in art studies, and then her minor was in murder, and she's like, well, I gotta, gotta do something. Gotta do something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I guess I should also explain some of these characters a little bit more as well, and get to their details. Uh, so, first off, there's Kevin. He's the first character you see. He is basically their attempt at writing a himbo. Mm-hmm. He is a man who is constantly without a shirt. Uh, to the point that is a frequent point of contention between all the friends. Mm-hmm. He really loves to cook and is really good at it, although he does not know the names of the, half the ingredients he uses, though apparently he's very, very good. He is a member of a gang called The Idols, who is a technology-focused group that is heavily into anarchy and freeing the system from their capitalist oppressors. He basically just, like, yells out slogans about how capitalism is bad and how, like, you know, Things should be redistributed and whatnot, and we should be mm-hmm. in a post-government society. The whole thing with the idols is that their the leadership is giant hypocrites, and they have yachts and stuff. Right. Just to spoil that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he, he's going to be very quickly disillusioned by that. Nina is a woman with long, long black hair with uh, giant horn rim glasses that uh, is from Mexico. She is... 
basically the person who loves to like drive fast cars and work on them and whatnot. She's a real gearhead. Mm -hmm. uh, and she is really into family as well. And she also will do literally anything for her friends, which to be fair, all these characters will literally do anything for their friends. That's going to be right. a common theme. Friendship is important. Remember that. Friendship is important. Okay, got it. Finally, there's Eli. Eli is an African-American man with a bow tie, uh, also has glasses. He is the practical, sound-minded man of the group. Uh, he listens to books on tape about empowerment and being your own boss, as well as being kind of like the main planner behind everything. He's mm -hmm. the one who's going to come up with the ideas for the Saints when they eventually become the Saints. Mm -hmm. And also is the one who's like, oh man, we earned some money, we should reinvest it and diversify our businesses and whatnot. He's, he's the friend that you know that is like really into like money market funds and right. why haven't you put all your money into an H, uh, HYSA? So. So, so I have a question sure. for this game, this video game, Saints Row 2022, the <laughs> reboot of the Saints Row franchise. It's me, Saints Row 2022. What's your call? What does this game think that a gang is? Uh, boy, buddy, man. <laughs> like, I feel like I finally worked my way into what's eating at me is like, nothing about these people seems like the gangster fantasy. No, none of them do. They do not. No, honestly, none of the gangs in this really do. Maybe one yeah. of them, the Panteros, which uh, Nina's part of, I should mention. Mm -hmm. Uh, they are the only ones who seem like a gang, but like mm -hmm. the idols are just like a bunch of people just like hanging around, just being like, "We love technology," and also the, the government should collapse. Right. And Marshall's a, I I guess you could consider Marshall a gang, but they're a PMC. <laughs> yeah, like it, like yeah, Saints Row the Third kind of straight into that territory of like sometimes they say this is a gang, but this is just a military outfit. Like, I don't, I don't know, man. But there was at least a purpose behind that, right? Because they, yeah. at that point, you couldn't have put up another, like, low-level street gang against the Saints. Yeah. Yes. This is supposed to be returning to, like, the gang fantasy. And it's like, what, what am I looking at? The answer is, uh, three fun-themed gangs that are barely gangs. <laughs> Yeah, they, they don't really kind of... Yeah, for the their whole stated goal of getting back to Saints Row's roots, they don't quite... They don't quite hit the um, actual, like, hip-hop street gang thing. Right. Which, I mean, I, I guess I get it. Like, they didn't want to completely retread old ground, but it does right. mean that, like... I, I'm going to spoil this now. These gangs aren't really going to matter as much as you think they should. Mm. So... They go and they hit up the payday loan place. They rob it. They get the money that they need and whatnot. Um, the boss uh, ends up going on another mission for for Marshall. This goes a little bit better. And the head of Marshall, Atticus Marshall, is like, man, you are great. I'm going to promote you to head of security for this guy named Antonio who runs a museum. And he has this thing called the Hummingbird Codex. You know, it's like, Didn't she get reprimanded on her first day? Absolutely, but she's a go-getter attitude, so oh she's going to be head of security now. This is not to set her up for failure or anything like uh -huh, that. This is okay. this is actually, unironically, he's like, you should be head of security for this guy. So, she has to protect this thing called the Hummingbird Codex at this like gala event that's being held at a museum. Uh, long story short, it goes wrong. The Panteros show up to steal it. The idols show up to steal it. 
Uh, things go incredibly bad. The idols manage to steal it after uh, the boss decides to save a martial executive by the name of Myra Starr instead. Basically a somewhat kindly older woman who's like, hey, thanks for saving me. Uh, kind of sucks that the Hummingbird Codex got stolen, but whatever. Atticus, though, is pissed. And he's like, you are fired? How, why did you do that? Boss is like, well, I saved one of your executives. He's like, I don't care. I can replace her. She sucks. Whatever. This thing was priceless. Get out of my sight. If I see you again, you'll be shot. So she ends up leaving. Uh, she actually like runs into a few more idols and gets into fight with them. I also have here written down the idols are a bad attempt at an anarchist group, literally calling people sheeple. Mm-hmm. The writing's not, this game's not great. Yep, I'm getting that impression. And so she goes home and gets, like, very depressed. Like, she's hanging out on the couch of Nina. Uh, Nina also is, like, a little disillusioned with the Panteros because she, like, tries to get them to call off the attack so they don't, like, get the boss hurt, whatnot, and they ignore her. Mm-hmm. And so they're literally just like watching the home shopping network while the boss literally buys all the knives in the world. Uh, and then it's, it's not a bad joke. It's actually pretty good. And it comes around, actually. OK, I will say this. There are a few jokes that actually land really good. OK, unlike Agents of Mayhem, where the writing for the most part was just terrible. There are a few things here that land. OK, so Kevin and Eli like Kevin is like hosting like a DJ party for the idols and whatnot, and Eli's there as well. They're trying to invite them, the rest of their friends out, and they're like, nah, we're gonna just be depressed. And uh, eventually Nina realizes, oh, the Panteros are going to attack the idols. Oh no, we need to get over there and save them. Unfortunately, Eli gets shot in the meantime. Like Kevin's uh-huh. like trying to cover for him, like, you know, keep him safe. And this is the one thing I'm going to say that the game does very well with these friends. They do legitimately seem like they care about each other and would literally mm-hmm. do anything for each other. Because, mm-hmm. like, the drive over there, they're, like, super worried because, like, they were, like, putting them on ignore for, like, like a couple hours and whatnot. And, like, man, we're mm-hmm. not going to go to this party. It's going to be lame, whatever. And, like, feeling, like, super bad about it. So, like, they actually do a pretty good job of establishing, like, okay, no, they're friends and they're, like, super tight. Mm-hmm. So they get there. Kevin is, like, trying to convince the leader of the idols not to kill um, Eli. And, like, the leader of the uh, the Idols, which is a group of seven people called the Collective. Mm-hmm. They're like, okay, cool. Yeah, we won't kill them. You're gonna kill them, Kev. Which Kev then, of course, refuses. There's a big old giant fight. They escape with their lives, barely. And now everyone hates them. Marshall hates the boss. The Panteros hate Nina. The Idols hate literally all of them. And they're like, well, what are we gonna do? Well, it turns out, while they're driving back... There is a self-help tape that's playing that's uh, Eli's that basically is like, hey, when you're down, do you know what you need to do? You need to be your own boss. And so the boss is like, I need to be my own boss. Why don't we start our own criminal empire? Okay. Like, what is this premise? (laughs) It's not great. Like, okay, just the the three of these people are living together while being part of rival military criminal organizations that will just shoot each other without warning? Yeah, they are. Yes. Okay. And their solution when that inevitably goes bad is, well, what if we just became a fourth criminal organization? (laughs) What could possibly go wrong? (laughs) Like, again, to get back to it, what is even the role of gangs in this society? 
I mean, the way the society works is actually kind of ridiculous when you really think about it. A little bit, yeah. So you have the Panteros, which seem like a regular gang, Mm -hmm. but I don't know if they're performing any of the, like, brotherhood, community protection role that street gangs normally kind of form around. Yeah. I I feel like they're just selling drugs, which, okay, street drugs, street drugs also, street gangs also form around that, so fine, I guess. Mm-hmm. Then you have the idols, which are just rich kids throwing military might around. And then you have an actual PMC. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which appears to just be hiring, like, college kids after graduation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to be cool military people to do, yeah. like, operations on American soil. Yeah, yeah, it's, um, it's strange. And, like, it gets even stranger when you realize that, like, murder is, like, very blasé in this universe. Which, right. like, I mean, it's an open world game. Like, yeah, of course it, it is. Yeah, of course it is. But it's usually not as openly acknowledged as it is here. Right. Like, literally, how you recruit your gang for the Third Street Saints is that, like, the boss goes and, like, enters a weird murder fight show called Boot Hill, where she basically just murders her way to the top and gets, like, social media cred, and that's how she recruits the gang. And I think the thing that gets me is you see all this, and you hear all this, and you go, oh, okay, so they're going for this weird, absurdist, ridiculous premise. Mm -hmm. And, no, by their own statement they're not yeah and even if that is what they're going for it's one they don't go all the way Mm -hmm. and two it's unearned yeah like it worked in saints row the third when they went all the way because they earned it with the first two games right and like the only way to go was up and so they went okay we're just gonna get incredibly stupid with this like it's legitimately funny that this low-level street game became a media empire so powerful that the cops would rather get their autograph than arrest them. Right. Like, whereas here, it's like, okay, I mean, they're still masquerading as a low-level street gang, but at the same time, like, there's once again a murder game show, and there's just like, apparently just robbing a payday loan place is something that they have done casually before. <laughs> and it's like something that even Eli is down with. Right. Yeah, it's it's very strange. It's a very strange tone that this game has. And it's not going to get any better or, to be fair, not any worse either. Okay. So, they form the Saints. And they they call them the Saints after they decide to take over an old church building. That's literally just a mission. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's on 3rd Street. Hence why they're called the 3rd Street Saints. Okay. And they start making connections and shake down people and whatnot. And they start new businesses and all this sort of stuff. There's a big side part of this where you literally just do that. Like you literally rob you literally rob a real estate agent and take all of his titles and deeds and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And you use the empty plots to build businesses on, which is kind of cool. Okay. Yeah. So we now get to a part of the game that I actually do legitimately like, even though mm-hmm. I think some of these sections are a little overly long. Instead of, like, more directly dealing with the gangs, the boss more or less just hangs out with her friends. Mm. But, like, in, like, extended sections. Mm-hmm. So, like, one of them is, like, the Pantero steal Nina's, like, muscle car. And, like, you know, there's a big whole thing where you have to get it back. And you fail to do so. They end up destroying her car. And something that's, mm. like, a huge mistake. Because it turns out that car was, like, her last connection to her mom back in Mexico who died from cancer. 
Right. Like, it was the last thing that she had of her. She drove it to the United States and basically was working on it ever since. And so, like, when that happens, the boss is like, oh, we gotta go fuck these people up then. Yeah, there's absolutely no way we're gonna let this stand. And so, like, when they go and, like, get into an attack helicopter and start, like, blowing up their plant filled with, like, monster trucks and muscle cars and whatnot, it, like, okay, yeah, no, there's, like, a catharsis to that. Mm -hmm. Like, it actually works. Right. Uh, Another involves uh, Eli that this one I don't think works because <laughs> mm-hmm. I think it goes on too long. Eli, it turns out, is into LARPing. Okay. And there are way too many missions where you go and basically participate in a LARP that mm-hmm. is basically like, haha, man, aren't LARPs arc- awkward and kind of funny to look at? It's kind of like when Saints Row the Third made jokes about anime, where it's like, right? Yeah, those are the stereotypes of that. Yep, mm-hmm. you got it. Yep. Except yeah, this- I feel like you could have had one mission of that, and that would have that that would have filled your quota. It would have, and they could have done anything else with the eye, but they don't. There's like multiple missions of this, and it goes on forever until mm-hmm. the boss is the king of the LARPers, essentially. <laughs> yeah. So like. There's that, and, like, there's another where, like, Kev gets kidnapped by the idols, and you have to go and save him, and you find out that, yeah, the idols are basically like, hypocrites who have giant mansions and yachts and whatnot, and you blow mm-hmm. them all up. But, like, you know, it follows, like, Kevin being like, okay, maybe this whole anarchist thing got phase I was in is kind of stupid anyways, and I should just kind of live for myself instead of another group. Mm. Like, there are things there that actually sort of work, and... right. And at the very least, even if like they don't work 100% of the time, the boss actually has relationships with these characters in a way that, honestly, Saints Row 1 through 4 never really... Like, it took forever mm-hmm. for them to accomplish if they ever even did at all. Right. And they did it all in one game, so good on y'all. So, still, they have to be a criminal enterprise, and they still have to actually do crime stuff, right? Besides mm-hmm. the murder. So, it turns out the gang is broke. They can't pay for the gang members, so they decide they're going to rob a money train that's being guarded by Marshall. Okay. Problem. They're clearly not good enough to do this. So the boss decides they need essentially another protagonist to take them down, and they need to break out the Nahali out of prison. So it turns out the Nahali is in a Marshall-run prison, like literally in its own special cell, that when the boss gets in there and like breaks them out, he's like, what are you doing here? <laughs> You're the reason why I'm in here in the first place. I don't want to be anywhere near you. And the boss is like, okay, cool. I guess you can stay in jail or you can come with me. And the Holly's like, I'm going to go with you. <laughs> so they escape. And like, the Holly's like, hey, listen, we're not friends. But if you do want help on this job, fine. I will help you out. And the boss is like, cool, man. So the boss gives, um, gives her a Gives him a call the next day. And Holly's like, finally, I was waiting for you to give me a call. But when he shows up, it turns out it's, they're actually not going to be planning the heist. It's a team building exercise complete with hats. <laughs> uh-huh. And they decide to go on basically like a team building er- exercise where like, one person selects an activity to do and then they all go do it. And then the next person does and they go do that. And they all decide to just have fun with this. While Nahali's like, this is lame as hell. <laughs> I'm a trained murderer who's been literally on every continent, has robbed banks and trains and done all sorts of crazy stuff. Why are you wasting my time? I really just want to plan this heist. But it turns out 
every single time they try to do something because they've literally pissed off everybody, including the cops, the Panteros, the idols, Marshall. Everyone is trying to gun them down. And then the Holly is totally into it. So at the end of it, it turns out he's actually starting to be like warm up to these people. He's like, yeah, no, you actually all are kind of cool. I actually like y'all. And so he even like makes like jokes like Kev's like, man, you should put on a shirt sometime. Ha ha. Look at that. I'm using y'all's jokes now. Y'all's jokes that you had. This is great. Everyone's like, nah, Holly, you're pretty cool. And so the boss is like, hey, man, yeah, tomorrow we're going to go over the heist. But uh, hey, just want you to know, I think you're a cool dude. You can always totally hang out with us and join the gang. That'd be cool, right? And the Holly's like, hey, listen, I got you. Listen, y'all do seem pretty cool. I'll think about it, but no promises. And so it's like, all right. What as man? The boss really wants him to be their friend. Mm-hmm. It's like constant. Like the boss just thinks that Nahali is the coolest person in the world. And to be fair, he's going to prove that he is the coolest person in a little bit when they do the big train robbery. So the train is a hover train and they attack it with hover bikes. Because what the technology in this world is strange and all over the place. Oh, yeah. There's also AI hover tanks. There's there's hover everything in this game. And. They attack the train. It immediately goes bad. Like, the Panteros attack at the same time. Sergio, the boss of the Panteros, like, attacks the boss and, like, knocks her down. Just in time for the Nahali to show up and, like, just murder the hell out of him. Like, I I forgot to mention this, but, like, right before the mission starts, like, the boss actually gives Nahali one of the knives that she bought from the Home Shopping Network. Mm -hmm. And it's like, here, have this knife. He's like, I kind of already have a lot. She's like, no, listen, I bought these from the Home Shopping Network when I was, like, kind of drunk and depressed. <laughs> need to give them away. And I thought, if you if you, like, you don't hang out with those after this, it could be, like, a cool souvenir. It's like, all right, thanks. And so, yeah, he uses that to stab Sergio to death. And the boss is like, man, that's cool. The train then derails. She gets thrown off the train just only to land on the hover bike that the Holly is riding on. And so, yeah. Just saved her life twice. They get the money. They go back home. Like, once again, the boss tries to convince Nahali to join up with him. He's like, hey, listen, I'll think about it. But meantime, I'm going to just go enjoy my money. And everything's good. Everyone parts on good terms. Everything is fine. Great. Yeah. Good. It's great. Nothing's going to go wrong. So now they have everything but a rep. Because it turns out, while this did get posted on social media... Everyone was like, the Nahali's the coolest, the Saints suck. <laughs> and so like, damn, what can we do to be cool? And they go like, what if we stole the Hummingbird Codex from the Idols? So they go and they do that. They murder the Idol leadership, the Collective, and they steal the Codex. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a more involved mission than that, but uh-huh. that's the TLDR of that. Okay, but like one mission and the Idol leadership is just done. Pretty much, yes. Okay. So now they have the codex, and now they're able to recruit a gang, and now they have uh, the boss is going to give a big old speech. And I'll go ahead and play a clip for you here. The four of us founded the Saints, but it belongs to all of us. It belongs to anyone who dreams of making something of themselves and are fucking tired of the world trying to hold them back. Life is hard enough without having to deal with middle managers with no discernible talent telling you how to do your job without having to deal with assholes who've had every opportunity handed to them but never had to fucking work for a single one of them. 
without being told that your time will come. You just have to wait. Be patient. Well, let me tell you something. We're fucking done waiting. Oh, this feels targeted. Doesn't it, though? Yeah, so there's a very, like, millennial slash Zoomer thing kind of going right. on there. Mm -hmm. Really just a young people thing. What am I talking about, millennial Zoomer? Young person thing, like, mm -hmm. man, the man is keeping us down to tell us the way to earn our way. Man, fuck that. We're here to take it for ourselves, man. No more middle managers, which, yeah, middle managers do suck, but still. Yeah. Yeah, it, uh, I, I don't know if your part where you said this is this feels very targeted is going to make it to the podcast just with how I edit these. Yeah, but sure, yes, sure. it does feel targeted, doesn't it? It it feels like maybe someone at Volition is uh, venting a few things about maybe how the development of this game might have gone. Maybe. Or just like society at large. And or it's like, society yeah. in general, yeah. Yeah, no, I totally get it. I'm, I'm with you, buddy. But yeah, so the Saints are basically like on top except there's one problem mm -hmm. a martial lawyer then immediately shows up because it turns out the boss violated their employee agreement and now mm -hmm. the saints are owned by marshall there's apparently a non-compete and yeah so right yeah mm -hmm. yeah can't go into a can't go into business with a rival company within x months of your termination yep exactly yeah. exactly yeah. Okay. which um i do have the, here written down how do you go, we own a street gang? But apparently you can. Sure. So, like, Eli is like, you can't mess with contracts. You can't murder your way out of a contract. And the boss is like, <laughs> I'm going to murder my way out of a contract. <laughs> and, like, they fight to the top floor of, like, Marshall's HQ. And they find Myra Starr from earlier. And she basically goes, hey, listen, Atticus sucks, but you can't murder Atticus because it's just going to go to his next kin, and they're just going to be very vengeful. You can't murder your way out of this contract. But what you can do is help me become chairman of the board by helping to tank Marshall's reputation and stock price. And if that happens, I will give you control of the Saints. And so the boss goes, all right, sure. And so, yeah, if you steal a hover tank, you ruin their reputation. Atticus gets thrown out of uh, the company and Myra takes over and signs over the paperwork to the boss. So as the boss leaves, Myra goes, Hey, if you ever fuck with Marshall again, I'm coming after you. <laughs> and then the boss is like, I thought we were friends. She's like, we are definitely not friends. I'm like, she's like, ah, all right. And you're probably thinking, oh man, Marshall's probably going to come back after him at some point in this game. They don't. Oh, okay. They're, they're done, actually. They just, there's literally a clip next where they say, oh, we're pulling back our military presence and we're going to focus on other areas of business. And it's like, oh. So there's just not going to be a thing now anymore. Okay, yeah, cool. Okay, so so all the problems are done. Pretty much, yeah. Um, the Mar Marshals pulling back. The Idols are leader, and Panteros have no leadership and are on the ropes. And the Saints are ascended. So because of that, the boss is like, "Let's throw a party, man!" And so the party from the start of the game happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then this like ends up happening. Heard there's a party. Hey. <laughs> It's good to see you, man. I've been thinking a lot about what you said. About the Saints. I've been alone for a long time. I always viewed friends as a liability. A weakness. But I was wrong. Seeing you with Kev, Nina, Eli... They really make you stronger. Yeah, they really do. I want to know what that feels like. 
Well, let's go. Why? Well, because I cannot live your life if you are still breathing. It turns out uh, that the Nahali was like, man, friends are cool. I really like that you have friends, boss. <laughs> mm-hmm. What if I became the boss and took your friends? Uh-huh. <laughs> and then shanks the boss with the knife that she gave him. <laughs> so, yeah, he does that, basically buries her, and is like, don't worry, your friends are going to be taken care of. Shovels dirt on face. Mm-hmm. And so... Okay. After an extended dream sequence, the boss manages to dig herself out of a shallow grave, goes back into the party, and finds out that it's over. Like, everyone is dead. Like, her entire gang is dead. And, like, she has, like, a bunch of, like, calls on her phone, like, man, hey, where are you? Oh, man, and Holly's here and shooting everybody. That's bad. <laughs> and so the boss is like, oh, man, I gotta find them. I wonder what's going on with them. What sort of sick things is he doing? And then this is where we get this scene. Everything smells amazing, Kev. Uh, you know what would make it smell even better? Let me guess. Pancakes. You know it. Hey, look who's home. How was your day? <sighs> Not bad. I got some blood on my favorite shirt. <laughs> Sounds like you could use some champagne. Hmm. Thanks, Eli. Please, sit. So... What did you all do today? You know what we did. You're upset. You think? I do not like to see you upset. Well, maybe you should have thought of that before- Nina, please! We'll discuss your gratitude later. Hello. Where are they? They're safe. I am coming for you, motherfucker. <laughs> this at me, I was so good. Oh, yeah! Mm-hmm. For the context of that clip, I, I I'll have the audio in the in the in the episode. But essentially, the Nahali's just kind of kidnapped her friends and is forcing them to recreate basically scenes earlier in the game of friendship and camaraderie, except with Nahali as the boss. Mm -hmm. <laughs> also, he's forced Kevin to wear a shirt. <laughs> yes. Uh yeah, that's that's like a legitimately unsettling scene. It really is. That's that's actually like oh. It's, mm. oh, it's so good. Like, throughout this, like, I was like, man, this story's, like, kind of road. Like, I mean, they're doing a good job establishing their friends, but otherwise, yeah, okay, Nahali betrayed him, whatever. And then this scene played, I'm like, okay, I'm kind of into this now. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, you should have done this earlier. Yeah, probably. Yeah, because, like, the idea of, like, somebody being like, oh, man, yeah, I should have friends. I will just replace you and take your friends is, like... It's the one way to make something where, like, murder is a casual thing actually legitimately unsettling. Mm -hmm. It is the right direction to go. Right. But unfortunately, it happens at the end of the game, which is my way of saying that the boss basically tracks down Nahali pretty quickly. Mm. And uh, basically, she goes back to, like, the first mission of the game, like, fights through his gang, because it turns out Nahali has a gang. Mm, uh, okay, sure. Steals, like, basically hot wires the Vito jet that crashed at the start of the game, flies it to his secret bunker, fights her way in there, and, like, gets to a giant fight with Nahali. And, like, Nahali pretty quickly, like, overpowers her and is like, you can't protect them. And the boss is like, 
I don't need to protect them. They're here to protect me. As they just jump him, including the cat. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and like the last fight of the game is like literally just them just like basically beating the piss out of him. <laughs> now, eventually he does like escape from all of them, goes to like the top of the building, which is like a tower and it's like sunset mm-hmm. and whatnot. And the boss and the Holly basically have a cowboy sunset quick draw where the boss mm-hmm. shoots the Holly dead. And you see the camera slowly pan around his dead body as uh, the camera vibrates unnaturally, because once again, this game was glitched all hell to start. Right. Great. The Saints then celebrate on the roof with Mugmosas. They all say, we love you, boss. And the boss says, I love you, too. The cat also gets a Mugmosa as well. <laughs> so throughout this game, there is a running joke about how they're all going to go like after they get the mission done, go to do karaoke. And they all always end up getting ambushed. That prevents karaoke mm-hmm. from happening. So at the end of the game, they finally hold a party where they all do karaoke. They all sing Love Shack. One of the few good jokes in the game happens as, like, they switch from scene to scene of different characters singing different parts of Love Shack. Like, Myra will be singing it, or, like, random gang members from the Idols will be singing it. And then they, like, switch at one point to Nahali's Silent Grave. <laughs> and then switch back to somebody singing. It's actually pretty good. But that is the end of the game. So, what I liked. Your mm-hmm. crew. I started out yes. thinking the crew was pretty insufferable, mm-hmm. but I really think that cutscene of them around the table felt like very forced. But when the game actually got going, they did a really good job of reinforcing that they're all into this together. Mm-hmm. Like when Eli and Kev got ambushed, they did a good job of making it seem like the boss and Nina were generally worried. And this continues throughout the game, whether like one of her crew is in trouble, the boss is there to like help out in a way that actually feels different from say like the boss in the previous Saints Row games, who mm-hmm. felt like their crew kind of barely mattered that they weren't Johnny Gats. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it really wasn't looking that way from the start of the game, but the boss was just kind of a sarcastic ass of a loose cannon. Mm-hmm. I also liked the Nahali a lot and thought his villain mm-hmm. turn was a good way to make him seem sufficiently threatening in a game where, once again, all of your crew members are capable and willing to casually murder anyone in their way. Mm-hmm. That being said, there's also a decent amount of things I don't like about this. Mm-hmm. I don't like how the gangs are handled, and I think we've already kind of harped on this, but yeah, they're all just sort of there and barely gangs, mm-hmm. and they're all wrapped up in an anticlimactic way that almost feels like they wanted them to stick around for, say, a sequel that won't happen. Mm-hmm. Like, Nina literally talks about, I was like, man, the Panteros are down and out. They won't be that way forever, but for right now, we're pretty good to go. And there's never any follow-up on that, almost like maybe the Panteros would show up again. <laughs> Mm. Yeah, and some of the segments of the game go on for far too long and aren't funny, and it kind of ties into how a lot of the humor seems very Saints Row 2 era. Mm-hmm. Like, there's, like, a lot of awkward comedy about how this thing, like, I don't know, LARPing man is weird. Now let's have yeah. multiple missions and long cutscenes dedicated to weird <laughs> LARPing rituals. <laughs> like, there's sadly not a whole lot of reoccurring jokes that don't overstay its welcome. Right. Uh, the crew itself, kind of like the boss, seems mishandled at the start, and the boss really mm-hmm. sucks. And while they once again eventually fix this, boy, does that opening not make a good first impression. No. No, it does not. And finally, for being the ultimate villain, the Nahali sure isn't in the story all that much. <laughs> you might be thinking, oh, there's probably a bunch of interstitial scenes that I skipped over. No, it's the first mission. It is rescuing him. It is the team-building exercise. The train mission, betrayal, final mission. That's right. it. And it's 
it sucks because he's good. Yeah. Like, they established very early on that he's a very capable murderer. Uh, that he, they do establish that he, like, kind of sort of wants, is, like, kind of tempted by the boss's life and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And, like, when he does have his turn, it is legitimately unsettling, as we've already harped on. It really feels like it should have happened earlier. Yeah. Like, have him be some sort of ever-looming threat in the background of, I just want to have your friends, man. Mm-hmm. Like, it seems like kind of like a wasted opportunity to throw him at the end of the game just so we could have a villain and just wrap this up somehow. Right. Yeah. Okay, so I think the biggest thought I have about this game is, what is the point of this game? Oh, that's what a lot of reviewers said. Yeah. um... What is is this trying to accomplish? Because the story alone feels like it had, like, five lead writers. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it goes through so many different identities just in its tone and story structure. Yeah. That, like, even narratively, I'm I'm struggling to figure out what this game is trying to accomplish. (sighs) It, it seems to have two main themes of, like, friends are important. Right. And you always stick by your friends. Sure. And it's important to be your own boss and fight the establishment. That last one is only sort of there. I think yeah. the first one they accomplish. I think the second one they sort of don't. And then there's just a bunch of fluff that's kind of around it. Like, it, it really feels like they didn't want to cash in all their chips with, like, the different gangs and whatnot. They mm-hmm. wanted to leave them left over. And what that means is that you end up having a lot of missions where you just sort of help out your friends do various things, which does serve that first theme very well. But at the same time, it does give this game a feeling of spinning its wheels. Because, like, if you cut Mm -hmm. all that out, it's literally boss does missions for Marshall, gets fired, starts gang, rescues Nahali, gets betrayed by Nahali, rescues friends from Nahali. Like, that's the right. That is the point. Right. It feels like it feels like the gang is a metaphor. Mm-hmm. Like you could replace starting the Third Street Saints in the script with like running a computer repair business out of your garage. <laughs> and it would serve the same narrative mechanical purpose. Yeah. Like, running a gang feels almost incidental and, like, again, thematically metaphorical to just, like, doing something for yourself on your with your own power mm. and the help of your friends. Yeah, and it's this, it's this really weird thing where I sort of want to give the game a little bit more credit in this case. Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of side activities that are involving, like, building the gang and whatnot, buying mm-hmm. new properties and upgrading them and whatnot. Right. That is technically not really necessary. Right. And is shuffled off the gameplay. But yeah. if you look at it from just a story perspective, yeah, you're totally right. It's Being a gang is window dressing. Yeah. And that's like, I'm, I'm having a tough time stepping away from my own cynical answer to my own question is which is the point of this game is to release a new saints row Mm. and like i feel like this story has its own unique identity and idea under that but at the same time it was mandated that they make a new saints row yeah 
yeah, you, you think that maybe this would be better. This feels more watchdogs than Saints, right? Yes, absolutely. It feels more watchdogs. Mm-hmm. Like everything about it feels like a watchdogs game. Yeah, yeah. Like, like this seems like the the Watchdogs two sequel that we never got. Right. Yeah, or like some other. It, it feels. It reminds me of Watchdogs. It reminds me a bit of Far Cry three. It reminds me of that sort of era of like young people versus the man open world games it this is going to sound like a huge disparagement but i don't necessarily mean it as such mm-hmm. it reminds me a little bit of forspoken yeah yeah um not in necessarily as bad a way but again just like that sort of very new youth centric kind of attitude but Embracer Group doesn't own those properties. Mm-hmm. They own Saints Row, and they own Volition, and they bought Volition so that Volition could make a Saints Row. Yep. So you're going to make a Saints Row now. Yep, that's a... Uh, yeah, you do, you do not buy the Volition people to have them do something new. No. And uh, hooray, you did it. Yeah, they did. And like, I, I do want to say that I think that this is a good basis. I think they actually could mm-hmm. build off of this. Right. And I think that they could go in some interesting directions with this. In a, Absolutely. In a weirdly similar way to how I felt like they could with Agents of Mayhem with like yeah. Brimstone and whatnot. But once again, that's yeah. not going to happen. Well, hey, you know what really, really does not help this game be a good foundation for moving to the future? What's that? Hey, is this game as good as Saints Row the Third? Absolutely not. Then why would I bother? <laughs> <laughs> and like, it, if the answer could be, well, this is a new thing that they're doing a new thing. Great, but you called it Saints Row, mm. a game you have been developing for what fifteen by, years? By now, twenty twenty two, it would have been sixteen years. Yeah. Uh, so a, a, a franchise that has been around for 16 years and you have done way better work in than this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really puts into perspective why they called Agents of Mayhem Agents of Mayhem, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like, admittedly, it's a bit of like have your cake and eat it too, but they clearly wanted to do something different because, I mean, it is yes. functionally different from Saints Row. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like, yeah that, that game's problem was just that it it was not there. Yeah, it was nonsense. Whereas, yeah, this one, its problem is that it's trying to be the shadow of Saints Row in some ways. Right. And, and it's in- like, oh, okay, and like, here, here's a fair question. Is this game better than Saints Row 1? Without having played Saints Row 1, I cannot definitively say. Sure. I will say that its Metacritic ratings to Saints Row 1 are very similar. So, honestly, as a starting point in a franchise, kind of a similar deal. And like you said, probably a lot to do with it. But when you shackle things to a legacy franchise, they've got to live up to that franchise all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and this certainly did not. Yeah. So, great. Good job, mm-hmm. business people. You did it. You kept your franchise alive, except you didn't. You killed it. Yeah, they absolutely killed it, given that literally one year later, as sales were ticking up and this game was actually becoming successful... Well, mm-hmm. Volition got closed by Embracer Group. 
despite working on multiple projects uh, and being given the funding to do so. Because once again, mm -hmm. they all of a sudden didn't have that money anymore. Or something needed right. to get cut. Mm -hmm. So let's let's cut the people who have delivered results before and are currently working on more results to deliver. Mm -hmm. One of the few companies that did, really. Yeah. Yeah. Funny about that. Yeah. As reports of more studios having layoffs uh, that are under Embracer are literally dropping practically every other day at this point. Mm -hmm. I think like another 50 people got cut within the past week or something like that or past two weeks. Yeah. Probably. Yeah, it's um yeah, it's not great. It's not great. And whenever they do make another Saints Row, and I think there will be it one day. Mm-hmm. I it I, it's probably gonna be some sort of awkward sequel to Saints Row 4, I bet. Probably. Uh but who knows is who's gonna be under it. Maybe a an embracer project, and maybe whoever buys the IP from Embracer's Dead Corpse, which will be, I don't know, stay tuned next year. Mm-hmm. End of Q4 is coming up. It is, and uh, usually bad things happen around that time. We'll see what happens over Christmas when none of their games sell. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, but in the meantime, Saints Row, as we know it, is kind of dead and buried. Alex, I, I feel like you've kind of given your final thoughts, but I'm going to ask you anyways. <laughs> you have any final thoughts? I mean, this segues into my final thoughts, which is, man, what an incredible incredible year 2023 has been for video games yeah like starting hi-fi rush at the beginning of the year and then proceeding to fall fantasy 16 street fighter 6 armored core 6 baldur's gate 3 tears of the kingdom yeah tears of the kingdom just um just amazing releases all year around man what a terrible fucking year it's been for the video game industry yeah Holy shit, this has been an awful year for the video game industry. Yeah, if you um want to play video games, man, good on you. You good, got a lot. Good time. If you are making video games, bad news, you are probably laid off right now. Probably. Three years from now is going to be at... I'm not going to say it's going to be a terrible time for video games, because the saving grace of the modern industry is we have indie games to mm -hmm. save us. Yeah. Um... I predict another 2018 where we just had a slew of incredible indie games from start to finish. Mm. And the AAA industry was just garbage offerings the whole time. Yeah. Because the, the, the Western industry, at least, is in the process of eating itself at the moment. Yep. Yep. Everyone betted on games as a service, and that bubble burst real hard this year. Yeah. And, and over here, we have Epic Games. What can we do? The metaverse and NFTs. Yeah, while, while hemorrhaging money, despite literally being the Fortnite people. The, the Fortnite people and the leading game engine of the entire industry. Yep. Yep. And practically the only one now that Unity cannibalized itself. Yeah, I want to talk about companies that decided to just destroy <laughs> themselves for... Kind of no yeah. reason, really. No reason. Just just make a pyre of our own money and set it all on fire. Mm-hmm. They didn't even really raise the stock price like they were trying to do. They just... Nope. John nope. Riccatello yes. just John Riccatello, and that was it. Yep, he sure, he sure the hell did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's such a weird year. And yeah, like, Saints Row and Volition are very emblematic of that, because they are, mm -hmm. like... 
a lot of this has been precipitated precipitated by games as a service just yes. finally going belly up. There's just too many games mm-hmm. out there, and the ones that are out there and successful are just a little too long in the tooth that they're finally mm-hmm. being people are finally going away from those. Nobody really right. I should say nobody wants those, but they don't want what's the current state of the industry. Yeah, and because of that is dragging down a lot of like single player games like. Like, look at the state of, like, Naughty Dog's kind of in right now. Now that their yeah. games and service, like, Last of Us sequel is now apparently dead. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. And, like, you know, not to mention, once again, everything that's under Embracer, like, mm-hmm. admittedly, that's, like, different circumstance, but it's still a symptom of the industry as large. Right. Yep. Yeah. And it, like, it sucks because, it, like you said, it is dragging down things that, could be perfectly good games in their own right, both single player and multiplayer. Mm-hmm. But it's like, no, this needs to have a 10 year tail. Yep. It absolutely has to. It has to have a comprehensive DLC plan. You have to sell, we have to sell you $20 skins in this now. Those, those oh, Ryu skins wow. have to look really good. 15 bucks. Yeah. Well, I mean, to be perfectly fair, that business model of, you know, having that long content tail and constant updates. You know, it made a lot of money for Activision with Destiny and Overwatch and World of Warcraft oh, and yeah. Diablo. Yeah, great. Hey, Activision, how's it going over there? <laughs> Bobby Kodak says it's going well because he got paid. God damn. God. Yeah, the worst people got paid and the people mm-hmm. who made those things got laid off. Video game yep. industry, everybody. Video game industry. Oh, what a fucking nightmare. At least Nintendo's doing all right. Nintendo will well they won't always be doing all right the Wii U proved that oh yeah like, yeah I mean they'll, they'll have a misstep but at least they're like we're just gonna just make single player games we don't understand we don't understand online so we can't make a game this is serious. yeah exactly hey you want this Zelda DLC pack no okay screw it who cares yeah whatever man you don't <laughs> Mario Kart's still making money that game's 14 years old <laughs> I mean it got me to buy the DLC pack I know I spent money on that. I made mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, Alex, thank you so much for doing this, this with me, as always. Of course. And for you, the viewer, if you want to listen to more Fallen Through Plot Holes, go to ftp.podbean.com or search for Fallen Through Plot Holes on your podcast service of choice. You can also find us on YouTube. Just search for Fallen Through Plot Holes or FTP, and you should be able to find us not too difficultly. Uh, and of course, there will be a link to this episode in the description. Uh, remember to leave us a like and comment. And if you have any uh, other comments as well, you can also send them to our email address at fallingthroughplotholes at gmail.com. Link which, of course, will be in the description of both this and the YouTube video. Send us, uh, basically tell us about what sort of ideas you would have for a future Saints Row game. Will Johnny Gat come back? Will... You actually want the... Are you one fan of Agents of Mayhem? You want to have a sequel to that? What is it? Do you have extensive thoughts about Oleg? I know I don't, but maybe you do. Here's a hint. Don't call it Saints Row. That would be a really good idea. Or if you do, you better be as nuts about it as possible. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, spare no expense on that. Get, like, Yu Suzuki levels of crazy with it. (laughs) Okay, I'd, I'd, I'd play that game. I'd have to see it. Oh my god, Yu Suzuki's shit. <laughs> he, he, barely understa- <laughs> he barely understands China. Could you imagine his take on street gangs? 
In order to get into the car, you first have to open the door handle. Oh, yeah. This is how cars work. Oh, he would totally do VR integration and would force you to use it in order to open up the car. Yes. Yes. Oh, my. Could you imagine? Oh, my. It would be like my summer car for every car you get into. I put I mapped the transmission to various clock positions on the right stick because I really like the way the transmission feels when it shifts and I wanted to simulate that closely. I drove my Fiar my Ferrari an awful lot in order to make sure this works correctly. <laughs> oh, what a visionary. He really is, man. Give that man money. Just let him do Seriously? whatever stupid ideas he wants to do. It's it'll be fine. It'll be good for the industry. Yeah. It can't be any worse than it is right now. It really can't. It really can't. <laughs> ah. Well, Alex, once again, thank you. Of course. And take care, everybody. <laughs>